This is Stephanie Nelson, host of the Pivotal People podcast. We have great conversations with all kinds of interesting people who are making a difference in the world. Follow us and leave a review if you like this episode so that more people can find us. Thanks for listening. Here we go. Well, hello, Kimberly. Hi, Welcome Stephanie. Podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Well, you're probably wondering who is Stephanie Nelson and why am I on her podcast? Oh, no, I well, looked you up. I know who you are. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's why. Okay. We were on, a, I was on a Zoom call with about a million people in the audience and you were facilitating it with Taylor Hughes. And after about four minutes, I thought, I want to be her friend. She oh. is who is oh. she? What does she do? No offense. I mean, I was, I had to look you up immediately. I'm like, oh, what rock have I been living under? She oh, is no. a national speaker, Kimberly Stewart. Welcome to the podcast. I have to tell everyone she is a successful author. She has written eight books. She is a, you know, writing coach now. She's helping other people figure out how to write books. She's had a blog. She has a fabulous website. She's a mother of, is it three kids? Three kids. Yeah. You're making me sound like I'm really a big deal, but mostly I I clean toilets at my house. (laughs) You are a big deal. And so I immediately um, emailed her and said, Kimberly, what do you, oh, she has a podcast too. Oh, it's a fabulous podcast. It is so funny. It's called for real. Yeah. And I think it's relatively new, but this is it really big off. Oh, you're so kind. It's been so fun. I mean, I know you uh, totally will connect on this, that a podcast is such a delicious indulgence to your curiosity. I mean, I just love having conversations with people and hearing what yeah. they love and what they've lived and just kind of sit at their feet and learn from them. So it's been so much fun. Well, I have to agree with you. I thought I thought technically, oh gosh, I don't know. Podcast sounds kind of hard to do. And then I discovered, wow, I get to ask people what they're most excited about. Exactly. And look so fun. Yeah. So, so when, so now I'm on the hunt for interesting people. Um, I do have friends. You have to be careful. You know, you might be out in your neighborhood and maybe you tell a group of women you have a podcast. And then one of them suggests like the most boring idea ever. And you have to smile and say, Okay. I will refer you to Kimberly. She has a really cool podcast. You're going to love. Oh, be on your lookout neighbor. And don't be offended. If we say, I don't know if that's the right fit for this show. (laughs) That's right. It involves some, uh, you know, not complimentary words, but the reason I was really excited to have you here today is because there is, you have a lot of expertise. Um, Oh, and by the way, I have to ask you a question about your books. You have eight books. Is your most recent book Heartland? It is. Yep. Okay. Heartland's so, the most recent. Heartland and Sugar are the most recent. They released really close together, but yes, I think Heartland was after. Well, you're not going to tell everyone this, so I'm going to tell them. Her book Heartland has a five-star rating on Amazon. And mm-hmm. let me tell you what, getting a five-star rating on Amazon, these are people who get to say exactly what they want to say. Those Amazon reviewers, you know how kind they can be. Five stars. Five you stars. know what, that Stephanie? Like, like that. But like five. And just for the people who don't know, you can only get five stars. That is the most stars you can get on Amazon. That is really kind of you to point out. I actually do not read my own reviews. So that's new. That's new to oh. me. 
Great. Thank you. I'm glad it worked out because here's the thing, sister, I've been writing for 16 years and not all of the reviews are fives. So, uh, and it's funny how, um, my, my instinct is just to kind of back up from that. Lots of more evolved and self-assured people read their own reviews. And I just don't find it to be helpful because the book's out. So all of your most helpful criticism actually is not super helpful because it's in print. It has a barcode. It's in Barnes and Noble. Um, and I just know for my own heart that I'm incredibly good at not reading the 99 fantastic reviews and memorizing the one not fantastic review. And so just as a, just as like a self-protection, um, I just really don't hang out there much. So thanks. I'm glad you're like bringing me news from afar. I'm glad well, to hear you it. You know what? I think you, what you just pointed out though, Kimberly is so good and such a metaphor for life, right? Mm-hmm. We tend to focus on the negative stuff. We're not listening to the positive stuff. We're talking, we're listening to people. Like you said, the book's already out. Um, right. So that's okay. That's healthy. I, I don't mean to brag, but I have a book and I have this amazing five-star review that is listed as the very first one. You know, it's my mother. It's oh. my mother. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that the world doesn't know it's my mother because it's a different last name. But even though it's my mother, I That's like to look at loot. it. Oh, well, you just keep it up there. And you know what? <laughs> Your mom has earned that first review. She's the one who birthed and raised you. And so there you go. She gets pride of place. Very good point. Very good mm-hmm. point. So because you have eight books, you know a little bit about writing. And um, the reason I heard you is because you were coaching a large group of people. And I have to tell you, that was the most helpful meeting for me. I'm, I'm, I'm just a hobby. I'm just writing a little hobby thing and I want to self-publish. And it's amazing to me, as you all described, you just described the self-publishing process Mm -hmm. and how the ordinary person can access that. And I want to turn this over to you to tell people how how, if they want to have a, if they want to write a book, how they can get published. But I don't know if this is a statistic that still holds true, but in 2002, a survey found that 81% of people said that they wanted to write a book. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't, we know that 81% of people haven't written a book. No. So it's probably realistic to think there are so many barriers or even perceived barriers, particularly before self-publishing was easy, mm-hmm. um, that lots of people have great stories. And great, you know, a wealth of information, and they might want to get a book out there. And so let me open it up to you to tell people how they can become a writer, a published Mm -hmm. author, if they'd like to be. Mm, Great question. Layered question. We could spend a lot of time on this. So um, I'll try to make it as helpful as possible for your listeners. Um, I have heard that same statistic that 85, 80 to 85% of US people um, surveyed said they have a book in them and the turnover, they actually return on that, um, is less than 1%. So less than fewer than 1% of the people surveyed actually went ahead and wrote the book. So that's a pretty slim margin of people who decide, yep, I'm going to put, I'm going to invest the time to do this project. And so if you are a person who already has drunk the Kool-Aid and has decided this is something that I want to do, um, there are really two ways that you can go. The first is traditional publishing um, and all, all eight of my, let's see, that's not true. Seven of my books were 
traditionally published, um, just going through that route with a literary agent, kind of going through that traditional route. One was not. And the one was to complete a trilogy that I'd always had in my head. And two of those books were published initially by a traditional publisher. And then I came to a point where I just didn't really want to go through the hoops of getting that third book published. It'd been some time since I'd done the first two. And so I dipped my toes into self-publishing. And so it's been really delightful for me to have a foot in both of those worlds to know how both of them um, function. I'd say for traditional publishing, it's a slower pace. So traditional publishers will want you to um, put your ducks in a row, have the manuscript pretty well formulated, um, find a literary agent to represent you, um, take your time in building a platform and getting an audience so that they feel comfortable um, partnering with you, especially if you're a debut author. And then self-publishing, a lot of those pieces will still benefit you getting a platform, getting an audience, getting your crew, getting your people who will be um, in your target market. That all needs to happen with self-publishing too, but you have the, um, I would say both the onus and also the freedom to kind of chart your course. So all the things that an, a traditional publisher would do in terms of finding a cover designer and an editor and a copy editor, when you're self-publishing, that's really more your gig. Um, so that means the return on the investment financially is more yours. I think if you publish through Amazon or through Ingram Spark, it's about a 70-30 for royalties. So you get 70% of the sale price. Amazon or Ingram takes 30. If you do this traditionally, the royalties are much, much smaller, like 15% maybe. Um, but it just depends on where you want to put your energy. So if you really want a team, traditional publishing was probably your best best. Um, pursuit. If it's something more, as you were saying, Stephanie, you have a hobby that you want to get this book out there and you don't want to wait the years that it takes to break into that industry. Self-publishing is a fantastic, fantastic option. You know, self-publishing has really changed in the last, I've been writing a bit now and it's changed quite a bit from when I started. Um, it used to be something that was kind of a niche market and maybe seen as something that people would, um, approach if they couldn't make their way in traditional right. publishing. And that is not the case anymore. There are just so many ways to go about this. And so many um, people now really consume media differently. They purchase their books in a different way. We're not quite as dependent on brick and mortar stores. And so that has shifted the whole scene so that lots more folks can pursue this dream in a way that works for them. Well, I think that is interesting in you talking about how the trends have changed. Traditional publishing, we used to have not only the big bookstores, but the small neighborhood bookstore, Absolutely. which is really, really dying. I mean, when yes. we see a small neighborhood bookstore, who doesn't love to go into a bookstore if you're a reader? Love it. It's, love and it. just to buy a book, just to support the bookstore. Absolutely. But the reality is I was reading statistics that today, the greatest growth in book mediums is audiobooks and eBooks. Hmm. So if you think about it, um, the, you know, being able to self-publish in right. some cases, like the self-publishers, a friend of mine self-published on Amazon for the first week, his book was available absolutely free as an mm -hmm. ebook. Right. He, was, he wasn't trying to make money on his project. He was trying to get the word out. Get exposure. Right. Mm -hmm. So if that, and it cost him nothing, that's the mm -hmm. other thing I was under the perception until he shared his experience with me that there was a cost to self-publishing that perhaps you had to pay a couple thousand dollars to set up a book. And that isn't the case. 
I mean, yes. I mean, I will add a caveat. So that is true to actually get your book out there and, and publish it on Amazon. There is no fee that I know about. Um, however, there are some ways to make sure that your book is a fantastic product. And so I am a big proponent of, even if you are pursuing self-publishing, getting a fantastic editor to look at your manuscript, because that's really what will, that's the divide that remains between self and traditional is often because the editorial piece is not as strong. And so people try to cut corners or they, you know, think, well, my high school English teacher lives around the block. I'll ask her to take a look. And I'm, I was a high school English teacher, so I I'm fully in favor, but having a professional eye on the words, um, there's a, there is a monetary investment, but I think you get every penny back because, Bookstores are more apt to take a well-written book. Books have a longer shelf life if it's well if it's well written. Readers are more likely to recommend. The number one way that we still, even after all of our digital fanciness, the number one reason a, a person buys a book is because of personal recommendation. And so those personal recommendations have a longer shelf life if the book is good. Well, and I think you raise a really good point because most people would say, oh, I'll do spell check. I'll do yeah. grammar check. I'll put it up, you know, on the self-publishing platform um, in the Zoom call that you led. This was my mm-hmm. eye-opening learning from you. What was find an editor, yeah. a real editor. And right. um, also the uh, book cover design is very important. It's a total zinger, right? I mean, that it's ride or die with your book cover. I've had book covers that I've absolutely loved. And I had one that I absolutely don't. And so, and you can see in sales, I mean, we are very visual and you, I don't need to say that to you or to your listeners, because we know that's how we shop when you're in a bookstore or in any commercial atmosphere, your eye is what purchases first. And so if you're stuck with the with a book cover that you don't love, you will see that in the sales. You'll see that in the amount of reach that the book gives. Um, it seems quite simple and almost a little bit, um, I don't know, pedantic to say that, that, oh, you're, surely we need ideas and surely we need the back cover copy to let us know what it is. And actually it's really that cover that pushes you to pick up the book and carry it to the register. How do people find a book cover artist or a copy editor? How do they go about, they're willing to hire them, but how do they find them? There are some great resources. I mean, it's a little bit of a rabbit hole, right? Once you start Googling things like this, um, my number one recommendation would be to start looking at covers that you love, that you think might fit the flavor of your book. And all I have to do is page to the, one of the first pages in the book, and it will say cover design colon, and it will say the name of the cover artist. And sometimes it's a company, sometimes it's an individual. Um, but that's usually the place that I would start. You can, you absolutely, there are folks on most artists will have their own websites and, and ways for you to contact them. But if you already know, you like something that they've done, I think that's the best way to start. Okay. So this is why you are a writing coach, because that was brilliant. It would never occur to me to open up a book and see who designed the cover. Yeah. And that, yep. Same thing with literary agents. If you have folks who are looking to traditionally publish, 
flip to the acknowledgements and nine times out of 10, the author will acknowledge his or her literary agent. And so if you know, you loved that book, if you're writing the same vein as that book, and you know that this author has been represented by an agent that understands that and is and willing to fight for that concept, start your list. That's your first person on your list to contact and see if that representation might be a good fit for you. So what you're really talking about is looking at books that are in the same kind of space as your own idea, because literary agents are generally by type of book, right? They might specialize in an area. You might have a great book, but if it's not that literary agent subject, or even that book publishers can be niche publishers. Absolutely. Now that information's available to us. And so I don't see why we wouldn't leverage it. Yeah. Well, here I am asking you all this information, you know, you're giving us this free coaching. Tell us about your coaching program. Is this something that the average person can just sign up for? Do you do it online in person? How could people access more of your advice and, and really guidance? Well, that's a fantastic way to ask that question. I will tell you that, but I will answer the question, but I first have to say coaching has been so fun for me because so much of writing is on your own. You know, I wrote a bunch of books on my own, on the couch or wherever there was a space in our house where the three kids weren't. And a lot of those years were just very solitary. You don't, there's, it's not like other um, professions where you have a team or you have someone to bounce ideas off of. You can find a writer's group, um, but usually those folks are in the same boat. None of us knows what we're doing. And so I have loved being able to come alongside authors who are you know, either stuck or they have this dream that seems so crazy, right? Saying you want to write a book is like saying, I want to tap dance on Broadway. I know technically there are people who do that, but not in my neighborhood. So it's so fun to be able to connect with people who are, um, who I can help and who I can, who I can coach to getting a seedling of an idea into print. It's just so gratifying. So um, the That's way to great. find out more is to go. I mean, my website has some information. You can go to Kimberly Stewart.com. That's K I M B E R L Y S T U A R T.com. And there's a link for coaching. Um, the way I got into this gig is my dear friend, Bob Goff, who is a wonderful New York times, bestselling author, international speaker, the guy with the absolute biggest heart of any person I've ever known, Agreed. most generous, most helpful. And so he is a friend. Um, that ended up just kind of opening this door for me to be helping his coaching clients, many of whom want to write books. And so, um, I coach with Bob. It's kind of a, it's a, it's, um, we get the duo, you get me and you get Bob. And so, um, that's how they, that's how folks would find out more. But if you go to Kimberly there's a link that will, are you, um, involved in his writing workshops at the Oaks? Yes. In fact, I, I leave pretty soon for another one. So yeah, they're just so delightful. I'm going to that. Oh, fantastic. I will see you. You'll know (laughs) me by my, um, effervescence. I love that place and you're going to love it too. Oh, you're going to have a great time. time. I'll tell you people. Yeah. It's, um, it's really a special place and I appreciate it is meeting the other people there. I just had coffee today with a woman who I met at a, a Oaks retreat Oaks event. So, Wonderful. So I think you're right. I mean, to those environments 
not only do you, you know, learn from the speakers, but you learn from the other people who are pursuing the same kind of journey you're hoping to pursue. It's a really interesting group of people. And um, anyone, I think, you know, everyone who walks in my house gets a copy of Bob Goff's book. Oh, that's great. You know, <laughs> you everybody would love that. Does. And so many of those people now give everyone a copy of Bob Goff's book. Isn't that great? Yep. They're for everybody. His books are fantastic. And that space is fantastic. The Oaks is fantastic. And I would say that to any of your listeners who aren't able to get physically to that space or who aren't able to, to swing the coaching gig, it's very important in your writing life to try to find folks to cheer you on. And I would recommend finding um, like-minded writers. And so sometimes that's through a library. Sometimes that's through an indie bookstore. Um, sometimes even the local Barnes and Noble will have a list of writing groups that meet nearby. Um, you just can't put a a price tag on how invaluable that is. Because again, a lot of this is on your own with a blinking cursor. So if you can build into your experience, sometimes where you're connecting with other people on that road, that's what you're speaking to. You know, you met this, this friend at the Oaks and really you connected because there's some shared part of where you are, um, that you're returning to. And so we have to be proactive in that. A lot of times folks who write books are very introverted. And so you kind of have to push out of that to find someone who will, who will, come alongside what you're doing, because not only is that helpful for your heart and for your brain, but also it helps you get the work done because there's nothing like having someone say to you. So how did four, how did chapter four turn out? <laughs> right. <Well>, good point. <laughs> right. It's a beautiful accountability that we can give to each other. Yeah. I'm finding your people. Yeah, You know, it's always encouraging. Well, I'm not in a writing group. You just totally motivated me <laughs> to find a writing group in my area. Do that it. Or form one, you know, and it will take a while. It's a little bit like dating, right? You might not hit it out of the park the first time. So don't think, well, that's not for me. Just persist. You'll find the right, you'll find right. the right fit. Well, good. I love that. Well, thanks so much. And I want to ask you about your speaking. Okay. Because sure. you are a national speaker. I've seen you've spoken at a little, seems to me you've spoken at a lot of women's groups, Christian groups. Is it, what is your demo? What's your like yeah. ideal speaking gig. Who are you talking to? Well, it's morphed over the years. Um, it's funny when you write a book, people think that you should speak at their brunch and I'm not, I don't understand that math. I'm sure there's some science to that, but it was the weirdest thing. I start, I, my not, my eBooks are novels. So it's not even like I had anything topical. I just wrote a book and people started calling and saying, Oh, well, we have this women's spring brunch. Can you speak? And I was like, why? You want to talk? You want me to talk to you? Okay. Um, so for a lot of why, because she can make anything funny. That's oh, why. No, they didn't even. Well, first of all, my children would very much disagree with that. And second of all, they didn't even know. They just saw my name on a book. So um, I would say at the beginning, it was just reactionary. Okay, sure. I'll come. Um, but even though I write fiction, um, there are themes to what are, there are themes in my book that just, I just keep coming back to. And usually it's some sort of that there's grace abundant, um, that we can be free of some stuff that drags us down. Um, and there's always some, there are always quirky characters and probably some sort of a love story. So I, I end up kind of circling back to these themes. And I found that a lot of those are rooted in faith for me. 
And so at the brunches, I might mention that I write books, but mostly I just want to talk about grace and mostly I want to talk about Jesus. So, um, it turns out to be most of my speaking is, um, in that faith context. I have definitely loved speaking at book festivals and bookstores and book events and libraries. Um, that is so fun for me too. So I'd say both of those things, either the craft and the art of writing or how faith intersects what we do. I love that. I love that. So I have to tell you, I'm the coupon mom. So I like a deal. I downloaded your free book. Oh, well, fantastic. Am I allowed to tell people? You totally. Well, here's the thing. Here's the best way to get that. If you text 44144, let's say 44144, I think there are four fours, 44144. If you text (laughs) the word Kim to that number, I'll just send you a free book. It'll be an ebook. So just don't get worried about your mail. That's Um, right. Yeah. I'm about deals too. Okay, Stephanie, we haven't even gone there, but I am definitely a deal person. That is another topic that never gets boring. And I read today, sadly, that inflation's at 6.2%. So maybe people will be picking up the grocery coupons again. I'm not sure. Great time for deal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, Kimberly, thanks so much for spending some of your time with us. You're probably working on book nine. I know you're getting ready to go out to the retreat. I can't wait to see you there. I feel like I know you so much better. So it'll have to be awkward and going up and reading the (laughs) tag and you're like, who is this woman? Oh no, I'm a hugger. So you just better get ready. (laughs) It was so fun to spend time with you, Stephanie. Thank you for the invitation. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening today. We hope you're inspired. And if you like the episode, please take a moment to go to your podcast platform and follow us and leave a review so more people can find us. Now go out and be the pivotal person that you are.